And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with my good buddy, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme up here on the Smith River, blessed land that we're on. Uh, the farm is kicking. I was just there over the weekend and got to see uh, Bear's new grapes. He's uh, his new vineyard he's installing in the Mediterranean garden uh, and the electroculture rods installed and all the beautiful stuff happening in the Alphavedic gardens. It's really soul lifting to come and visit that place. Bear, it was quite a pleasure seeing you uh, in person again. It's been a little bit too long, a couple weeks. and. Uh, it was great seeing you digging holes at the peak hour of the day on your Saturday, sweating, <laughs> 85 degree weather. Quite impressive. So it keeps you young, my friend. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and always good to see you, uh, my friend. And, you know, we've developed a little bit of a history over time here. Mike and I first met each other I, with my son on State Street in Santa Barbara. Um uh, sharing a beer together on uh, one of the the pubs along there, and and what was that about twenty some odd years ago? Something like that. And boy, has State Street changed <laughs> since then. Yeah. It um, sure has. Yeah, and but you have family visiting right now. I understand. Um, yeah, one from of my from Santa Barbara. Yeah. So, well, we've got Marcia Ann with us today. Let's jump into it, Bear. I'll do the intro. Um, uh, just want to remind everybody the end of COVID is happening right now. Go check it out. Bear's first appearance is actually tomorrow. So if you haven't registered, uh, do that today. The end of COVID.com. It's free till August 1st. Bear's got four or five sessions in there. I host a, a number of them. I will be hosting one tomorrow with uh, Bear and the Biggelsons as we go deep into uh, the jibby jabs and uh, bioterrain modalities, holographic blood, and all the good stuff that the Biggelsons do. It's a, one of the highlights of the entire event. So definitely check that out. And of course, uh, Music and Sky, August 18th to the 21st. You probably know about that. So if you haven't got a ticket yet, come join us. That will be a great celebration. You'll get to hang out with Bear and I and Deb and all the Alpha Vedic family. Uh, it's going to be a good one. So without further ado, Bear, I'm going to do my intro to Marsha Ann. Good to go? Perfect. Okay. On this special AlphaCast presentation, we recap the private I Am the Living Law workshop retreat that took place at Alphavedic Gardens last August. Can you believe that? It's almost been a year. Marcia Ann, creator of Sovereign by Design, and Ron Gibson, author of What You Need to Know About Land Patents and You Are Not a Slave, treated us to a life-changing three-day intensive this advanced seminar was designed to provide next-level education and information on how to protect your assets while operating in the private versus the public. I almost said protect your ass, which is basically the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> uh, the full video series of this event will soon be available to the membership of the new Alphavedic Co-op site with full interactive functionality to keep you abreast of recent advancements within the context of current global events. Marsha Ann has over 35 years experience with assisting individuals motivated to proactively self-govern, claim and live privately, and move their business and property out of the public domain. Living law is predicated upon the inner conviction of I am, which dispels all myth of external authority or administrative legitimacy. 
Marsha Ann has successfully supported many in reinstating natural law as the basis for their legal affairs through instilling an inner conviction that I am, but supersede all outer form and document preparation. Marsha is noted amongst the rapidly growing student body of those seeking the right to self-determination as a premier teacher in the field through her proven track record, grounded in deep spiritual insight. Bear, I am the living law was an amazing weekend. We had a lot of friends there that people know in the Alpha Beta community that um, have made uh, those testimonials at the end, which we need to get up on the site too, because the testimonials were a glowing review of what happened that weekend. I believe we really set the course for a lot for the entire world, really moving forward into the private and energetic vortex, if you will, was created that day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. Uh about this episode and Marshan always uh, delightful to um to see you we've we've uh, developed um a, a nice little back and forth over the last few years and you know really culminating last year at the event and you know our guests at the event were folks that have been around the block quite a bit and people that were already well educated and that's what you really stand for is that next level of understanding um, I appreciate your experience just with the expertise you bring into the, the picture with trust operations and things. But uh, more than anything, your your real life experience, you know, I started this journey in 1975. And by the 80s, I was already uh, in private groups with uh, folks that are iconic and pioneering of a lot of you know what this work has you know what is where its roots are and we took a lot of arrows in our backs along the way and and figured out things the hard way and like most people that get into this business you start with a re-education in understanding what is behind these institutionalized control systems and like any situation where you realize that you've been deceived you go through the necessary emotional accommodations that are uh, disbelief grief anger and so forth so i had many years as you did to go through all those things while i was understanding that all roads do lead to rome which is the banking system and uh, which is behind everything. And also I adapted all the different paperwork techniques and ways to challenge, you know, different agencies. Sometimes they work, sometimes I didn't. And sometimes they really created a lot of sleepless nights for me. But what I came to realize more in, in more recent years is it has nothing to do with paperwork. And what I was really embarking on was a spiritual journey in which I first had to understand how the system worked so that I could get beyond all of that and then just get to the business of claiming uh, my divine birthright, like each one of us has to do, which is the unqualified declaration to the universe that I am and there is no such thing as an earthly authority. So uh, you are much better at articulating all that and putting it into a practical format. And that's why we want to have you here today. So welcome. Thanks for making the time for us. And uh, maybe if you can just give a little introduction to yourself and 
how you got into all this business for our audience that hasn't been familiarized with your work? Well, yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to hear that because when you come up for the weekend and you speak to some people and then go back into your life, you're not really sure how that's going to resonate into the world. So it's really exciting to hear because that I am the living law was like taking you to a swimming pool and say, you're going to learn to swim. Let's throw you in the deep end. And then you you learn to swim. And that's a lot of how I really came into this. I was in the late 60s uh, dancing around singing, I ain't going to study war no more and all the love and light that was going on. And then had a young family. And in 1989, when my oldest, I had a, an older daughter who was about 18 years old. My my twins were five years old and my son was three years old. And I went to work with somebody who needed some clerical assistance. And uh, what I didn't realize when I accepted the job for the little extra spending money was that he's asking me to rebuild his files after the Internal Revenue Service had come in and seized all his books and records and all his client files and everything in his office. So over time from 1989, finally in 1992, he was indicted for working in the trust world, in the private world. So in order to defend himself against that indictment, I became a successor trustee in two weeks of about 250 different trusts thrown in the deep end, now my on-the-job training started. So it was, and all of these files, all of these people, they weren't just files, all these people's assets were under certain assault because the IRS knew that they were participating in this private world. Their privacy had been completely breached. And so I found myself thrown in the deep end of defending these people, finding out what the IRS was about, uh, uh, the administrative procedure. I participated in a group called uh, Dan Metter Consulting Group, where we had 46 different researchers and paralegals feeding information to find out the administrative procedure. How do we defeat the IRS? There's a procedure for us for due process of law. And through that, all of that experience, I mean, yes, anxiety, uh, boy, oh boy, there were times I would make wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and just anxiety about, you know, who's going to tell me, who's going to defend me, who's going to, you know, like uh, just everything and in, in hearings and audits and tax court and, uh, and, and going in and being effective and then coming back out into the private so that I can learn and, and gather all the information I needed to even do the job. So that's a lot about my journey. I'm so thrilled that people are waking up at levels where they don't have to take on that level of intensity because we've done that already. We've, we, like you're saying, the people that we've walked with, yes, we've seen a lot of them take arrows. And um, what the frequency that we're able to generate today really stands on the, the shoulders of all that. 
I, I read everybody's everything, everybody's research. I saw and why they worked and why they didn't work. I saw one of the things that I saw that was that led me to where I am now is that, yes, we had effective remedies and we would tell people, here's the process to do them. And it was so confusing. There was so much. In, it's like trying to learn to shoot a gun when you're already in the trenches. And so, if, so what I see the, the value of now is that we have all that background, and we can use it effectively. We that 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 people would get so overwhelmed that they'd go guru shopping. I called it. You know, they get take a piece from this guru and piece from this guru, and there there was like fight or flight. They're incapable of just really staying on the line of a procedure that we knew, but they couldn't even see was going to work. I I'm, had one client one time that we got just that close to the IRS going away, and they fired me as trustee and hired a new trustee who like then lost all their assets. So it's it's like the so the what I'm doing now with the I am the living law is really the second conversation after the blessings of liberty, uh, wisdom's calling, the blessings of liberty. I actually see envision a whole wi wisdom's calling series. The one, first one being the blessings of liberty, the next one being I am the living law, and the because what if we look at again what I realized from the the body of work that comes in the the journey the the bricks that build the bridge into the I am uh, uh, blessings of liberty what we what it's really based in the basis of Sun Tzu what in the strategy of Sun Tzu ultimately when you know who you are and you know your adversary, there is no peril. There is such a peace there that comes from within because you have a certainty that you generate. So that's what the uh, blessings of liberty is really about. We look deeply into how, what, what is our environment really? What is that? agency that government that thing out there that we have been giving our energy to what is it really and who am i really and what's my relationship in the world with that you know there's a long time i've had this question in my mind well if it's a government of the people by the people and for the people where are the people where's the power of the people and we found it in certain places we found it in grand juries and we found it in, and but there was always these gatekeepers, and there was always this resistance to look at it by the people whose power really funnel it, really move it. Re, that because the people say, well, the banking system that's fraudulent, they're making money out of thin air, out of nothing. And the truth is, they're making money out of your energy because you're giving it to them your consent and so how do we really take our energy back and use it consciously so that's a little and, bit, and like, a bit about my background yeah. 
No, that's that's brilliant. And likewise to, you know, knowing your enemy is knowing yourself. And when we rely on paperwork and we we've all done it and people are still doing it, when you go to one of the gurus and you pay a thousand dollars and get some paperwork, what you're doing is externalizing your power, placing it outside of yourself and thinking that that's going to fix things. And one of the things uh, some of us have learned along the way is you can have the best paperwork in the world, but unless you not just understand the administrative process and what place that paperwork has in the scheme of things, it's just, as you stated already, you are the energy behind it and it's all about energy. So when you back that with that understanding, then all of a sudden magic happens, whereas sometimes where I had some failures that, you know, speak for myself, it's because I was really externalizing to a, a source that wasn't really my source. So, uh, and that's what I am the living law is really about. Yes, very much so. Uh, very, very much so. And that's what Blessings of Liberty is about, too. It really is examining the nuts and bolts of of you. Because when you, if in law, there actually says substance over form. And the lawyers, the courts uh, out there can see when you come in and you bring paperwork and your actions don't follow. Because when you put your word out into the universe and you're then you're you're at you act a different way, you're not a man or woman of your word. Your word is not law in the universe. But when you put your word into the universe and your actions come right along with it, that's the substance of your word. So that you actually become your word and your word is law in the universe because your rational mind, the, the paperwork that talking about the, the interaction is consistent and in harmony with your heart. So you're bringing yourself forward as a true man or woman of your word. Now they can see that. I call it in courts lots of times when I go in and have gone into court, I, I, Instead of arguing and being belligerent, I said, do what I call giving them grace. I listen and I listen and I listen and I listened. And then the spirit that will come for that speaking that makes the difference. And so when you give grace and you give grace, you begin to get grace in return. Uh, there's an example. One time I was up in Reading and I had a, a client who we were in a business deal that went into litigation and it went into a jury trial and we pre we prevailed in the jury trial. And the woman who was the, the who was moving the case, the plaintiff, then came a year later and, and there was a, another order coming, come down for a hearing. We we're going to go through a jury trial. And I tried to tell this judge at that hearing and that's that, listen, we have a settlement agreement. That, and I tried to speak to him and I just kept getting interrupted and interrupted and interrupted. And so I honorably, I didn't you know, charge in there or argue or any, so they set a, a date for us to come back for a jury trial. And so I came back for the jury trial 
And the judge looked at me and said, I'd like to let you know that I have read this case from cover to cover. And this really should be a hearing on the settlement agreement. So there was something in my, my giving grace that now allowed this man to, get, to, to give me the grace of having the hearing we really should have had. And we prevailed at the settlement hearing. So there's, there's a way that the knowing that you've won when you get there, regardless of what plays out in front of you, the knowing that you've won, the knowing that you are a man or woman of your word, that you can stand on your word, the, the uncertainty of I've got somebody's paperwork and I really don't know what it says. They can see that just like you can see it. When somebody comes in in your fear of influence and they're disingenuous, they will tell you that the, the you know there's a reason, Marcia. There's a reason, Marcia, why it's your why the judge is called your honor, right? It's reminding you to stay in honor because <laughs> he's the right. It's all about being an honor. And yes, and um, and it, it is even the um, excuse me, I got to turn up. My computer on. Um, the staying in honor is even part of the Uniform Commercial Code. It wasn't until I started studying the Uniform Commercial Code that I began to realize how dishonorable I was in life in my relationship. Whether well, there's th th three things in the Uniform Commercial Code where you stay in honor, accept and carry out, it's called accord and satisfaction. You you conditionally accept. I'll accept on the condition that you can prove there's authority for you to give even bring this this matter, or refuse it for cause without dishonor. There's a there's weight like in a banking relationship when you submit a check to the bank but the bank doesn't have funds in the account. They can dishonor the check, but they have a reason. It's not their dishonor. So there are two ways that you become dishonorable. You remain silent or argue. And I'll tell you what, I lived most of my life in that those two areas of dishonor. I remember in relationships, you know, and I grew up in a family where in order to even concentrate, I had to like block every the world out. Um, I've, I've, uh, five sisters and four brothers. In order to even do homework, you have to not hear all that. So I kind of had this little world that I built over here, and and then I started having personal relationships and saying things, and I would be in this world and completely not uh, just to dishonor that the person was even there, let alone saying something. And so that was, I saw, at, at, but I didn't realize that until I started studying the Uniform Commercial Code. And then argument. What are we taught to do? Defend yourself. Somebody's attacking you. Oh, no, defend yourself. That's all dishonor. So we've been taught in, and been, that honor and dishonor has not even been a conversation in our lives for the most part. You know, the, just get a job, do this, have a family. It's, it's, we don't even realize. So I began to realize how dishonorable I was. And looking into my life, I went back to everybody in my life and actually apologized for being dishonorable.
and brought my freak my frequency up. See, they didn't even realize it, it was like business as usual in the social norm. So, but I'm one of those that's people. A, that sounds like an important energetic clearing. Doing that, going through that oh. process, and and apologizing for being in dishonor, even if they're not conscious of it, their I am is. Who's who's carrying the residual? It's right here. So the residual was here with me and clearing all that up. The more, the clearer, as a matter of fact, I'm still going through clearing as I'm bringing this forward so that I can be the true vessel, the true vehicle for the, the true expression of what's emerging here. And it's so exciting to have people waking up and, and wanting to have this information rather than being so afraid that they have to kill the messenger to, to stay in denial. That's exciting times right now. It's so Im important. I have no value without a listening. And it's uh, really an alchemical process where first off you find out how things work. And in this case, we're talking about institutions that we think have been controlling us, but all along we've been giving them our energy and we're controlling ourselves. But then once you learn the mechanics of it, then you can separate all the pieces. And then also through that, uh, not just purify the institutions, and they will be purified in, within this realm. This isn't going to stay like this forever. They will come into complete honor with no deceptive veils that, you know, fool us at this time. But more importantly, in the process, just like an alchemist in their lab, they, you know, are now resonating with that process and going through a personal purification. And as long as we're here going through a process, even if we've been around the block a few times, the fact that we're still here, there's still more work to be done. And I think the one thing I can comment on is the work is not as ominous as it used to be. It's actually exciting because you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and you're realizing that now that you have uh, had some experience under your belt, you can be part of the solution, you know, a conduit for the light that is now going through, um, you know, our entire realm and changing the consciousness literally. So I would also argue that there is really not the time for people just at entry level right now to go through all the different paper trails. I, I think the learning curve and the way the system is changing itself and the way the larger cycles are coming in, I think, uh, you know, our purpose in hindsight now is just to kind of trailblaze so that this next generation can draft and not have to go through all the things, but also the larger cycle is having a large say as far as what's going to take place within this realm at the same time. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's time just to get down to business. And, you know, we shared at our retreat, a lot of, uh, stories about how each of us have found angels in the most unlikely place. You know, I, I gave a little story about a, a woman that helped me out of a jam at the IRS and, she fixed everything and it was only because i was not at that point going to war with the irs anymore but i just found somebody um 
and had a real human connection. And she said, oh, let me help you, dear. And, she, uh, you know, cleared the way for me. And uh, within a day, all of my problems were resolved. And she saw me for who I was, not just as an administrative piece of paper. So, yeah, it really, uh, I think, requires now the, the next generation coming in with a different mindset and also realizing that they were born for these times, not to go back in time and go through all the things that we went through, but just to pick up where we are in present time. Well, when we understand the the formula, so to speak, the plan that has been really captured our thinking, and when we understand that and we see it, which is what we look at very deeply in the blessings of liberty, that there is a plan that we didn't know about, and, and that the the silent weapons for quiet wars that it's based on, and the the report that was made. Uh, how it is we're going to be socially engineered into this plan. Uh, when we begin to understand that plan, we it's no longer invisible to us. We can rise above it. We can make different decisions. And uh, that we have a new opportunity to take what we've given our energy to and it's a unique opportunity in the world to make social change without all of the chaos and disruption. And it is happening as we begin to remove our energy from that social paradigm and put it into the private where we are. We have not forgotten that relationship is the key. In the private world, it's all about relationship. And one of the reasons that I that I did what I did in the private world is because where I grew up, the insurance man and the bread man and the milkman and those they used to come and deliver to the house. We had a relationship with them. It wasn't just some clerk standing at the counter who I'd see what and I don't even realize they're there, but they're just doing a job. We had relationships with these people. So in the work that I was doing behind the scenes, it was a relationship. I literally, some of my, my clients had a room in their homes. It was the trustee quarter. So when I came, we could do our work. And it was, it was more like a, such a spread of an extended family than it was a business venture. At the same time, facing that all of those agents and agencies that is that I began to uh, realize that the effectiveness was at the administrative level. By the time you get to court, you've already lost if you haven't talked to the agents at the agent level. So I became effective in a lot of areas there, but the 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 real value was the relationships that were built in that private world. And as I kind of see it, what we're doing as you know, an overinflated balloon, and we have this little place where the, the it's tied together to this real flimsy balloon that's beginning to take the energy until we become into balance with the overinflated balloon. There is a reason, there is a function for agencies as we understand who we are as sovereigns and we delegate for the greater purpose, for the group purpose. Now we have a balance in the public, public and private. So learning and putting our training wheels on in the private is really bringing the balance to the whole mechanism.
Years ago, when I first read Weapons, uh, Silent Weapons, I understood the mechanisms that they were putting into place uh, in order to curate the energy of the entire population, you know, for a means of control. And there were uh, um, elements of mechanization that they were already putting in place. What I didn't see was the whole internet world that was the final um, element that they saw and that they've been developing all along. I also grew up in a time where you knew the local police, they knew your parents, and and it was a wonderful time to be alive because it wasn't quite as centralized. So now we live in this uh, computerized world where they've been able to centralize everything, and but at the same time, we're catching on and taking means, and people like Mike are developing technologies in order to use their own technologies, uh, you know, for our own benefit and uh, get out of that control grid. But, um, you know, what we've been talking about so far is people going into the legal world and, you know, subjecting themselves to lawfare and courts and, you know, with agencies. And it's kind of a scary thing. So I don't think people really need to find themselves in there anymore. Um, you know, in, unless you want to go into that public uh, interaction. But could you speak a little bit more on maybe what unincorporated trust and, and what that really means more on the basic energetic level and how we really don't have to go toe-to-toe with these guys? Or, or if you disagree that it's inevitable, uh, what could we tell the folks that all of this might sound a little bit scary? <laughs> no, you don't have to go toe-to-toe with anybody that you don't want to go toe-to-toe with or that it's not part of your lesson. Some of us choose the lessons because, it, like you know, like me, I didn't know I needed to be under that much heat to find my own fire. <laughs> and <laughs> some of us will understand the relationship. There are, and, and there's a, a lot of look now at status and correcting status. And that is extremely valuable. Uh, I don't remember the name of the man who was the first state uh, in Los Angeles area. I'll think about it. Um, and he declared his state a national status and he was kept out of the courts and for a very very long time people were didn't see that as valuable and when you understand that a status is you under knowing and claiming your relationship with the culture if you're the federal person the subject of the 10 square miles of washington dc or you're in public office you have a, a a relationship with that that and some obligations with that well for the most part we haven't understood what those obligations are as a federal person as a us citizen and and what kind of agreements we're making there <clears throat> so we we said that that's our status and in I don't know, mid 80s, I heard Ronald Reagan get a, get a question saying, what what is would you define a taxpayer? And he says a taxpayer is a person who works for the federal government and doesn't take a civil service examination. So do we have once we come in and we say, 
the, the we sign the voter affidavit that says I'm a U.S. citizen, and we apply for the Social Security, which is the Federal Old Age Retirement Act was the first name of that. So if we're claiming retirement as federal employees, and then we come in and say to the tax man, I'm not a federal employee, I don't owe taxes, we're, again, not knowing who we are in relationship to what we've already said. We put our word out there, and now we want to act like sovereigns in the face of that. Again, they see the dishonor. So we again, knowing who we are and what, who we've said we are, because our word really it carries the vibration. So the, the status change is saying, oh, I made a mistake. In commerce, a mistake is an unintentional act. So I'm now intentionally taking my feet on the land in the state where I am. And so now you've changed your relationship with the environment, with the, the law, which, which one applies. Uh, and that is very effective when you know to stand there. Again, all of this is effective when you live it. So, and then what we talk about in the blessings of liberty, now that you have clear and you're seeing all these things happen, you have all these puzzle pieces. Well, how about we look at the box of the puzzle called capacity? We're bringing that divine capacity through that status into action in the universe. So we're marrying basically the rational part of the brain and the creative part of the brain, the divine part of the brain, and bringing that balance. The world has to balance when we're there. So how important is the change of status? Uh, I've gone through different variations of that from uh, you know, national to secured party creditors, uh, you know, changing my status from uh, debtor to creditor within the UCC system. And you've, I believe, have taken it to a new level of depth. And you talk about uh, becoming an ambassador of peace and that actually becoming a status. So can you speak a little bit more on that? Well, I became clear through my journey with this material that I'm here on a divine mission and that that expressing that divine mission directly from my knowing into self-authentication in the world rises me above all of that in, as in the worldly trappings. The world cannot deny my divine function here when i act when i bring it when i when my actions are with that word i am that i am that's the only five words of of authority that i bring forward in my in my presentation of who i am and that's what we look at through the blessings of liberty we look deeply into the culture we're in we look and a lot of divine messages come through and they're all unique each time the conversation is, is, is engaged, the, the messages are current. 
at all right now. So there's a part of it that is planned and a part of it that's spontaneous. And of course, it's always modified by the, the listener because we're all observers changing the quantum experience. And uh, we'll call him by the name Jesus Christ during his lost years. So we're told and through very good sources that he came under the tutelage of other uh, very masterful individuals on this plane that had traveled the same journey. And his instruction was about I am. And when he says, uh, when he received that information within 24 hours, his mission on this plane became crystal clear as far as what he was to do. And it was all about I am. Now, not to step on any religious toes because it doesn't demean the message at all. In fact, I think it even becomes not only more meaningful, but elevates it for all of us. Uh, rather than interpreting I am to mean that there is only one individual that ever embodied that is I am, he was actually telling us that we are all um, an individualization I am. And at that point, with that realization, you're declaring your godhood in your coordinate of consciousness in the universe where you are the only authority to create within that point of consciousness and that has everything to do i think with what we're talking about as far as changing our status uh and and correct me if i'm wrong but i, I think what i hear you saying is now our status supersedes any of the other things that maybe people like myself did in the old days where we wanted to become state nationals or something, you know, versus U.S. citizen or or even within UCC. And to me, it's the next logical stepping stone beyond those uh, to ultimate freedom or sovereignty, as we like to call it these days. Uh, I am... When your word is law in the universe, I what you say, I am, whatever you say after it creates. So that we have been very sloppy, if you will, with the I am. And we put things like, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of that. Oh my. You know, it's like we're, we have these trained, and and we look very deeply in the blessings of liberty about where those trains, where did that thought come from? What do I know for sure? Has that served me now? And then now we're creating forward from a conscious momentum because the looking at the plan, but how all that thought was created, we've been all propagandize and train to think in a certain manner, especially now with the technology that we have and the, the TVs that have been programming since the, the 40s and the 50s and the, the culture so deeply ingrained into this, this singularity of thinking, this programmed thinking. So we that, that we we work with that and looking at does that thought where did that thought come from and how is that serving me now in the face of we've already seen the, the plan we've already seen the formula 
So uh, yes, it, it, we are very, very powerful beings. And that what Blessings of Liberty does is it blends the rational part and, and brings that balance. Because when we're balanced here, it can't help but balance out there. And hey, relationship Marcia, is a key. I love this. And you use the word liberty with an I, correct? Not with yeah. the Y. Yeah. And would you want to go in a little bit why you do that? And I know sort of the etymology goes back to Rome, I believe, or the Latin libertini. Um, and it's interesting because I have seen people in our space say we shouldn't use the word liberty because that inherently applies that we were a slave or are a slave and our master has set us free. What's your take on that? We were. We were a slave and we were enslaved by our own thinking. We were enslaved. And if you look at the 14th Amendment, you they begin to understand that the 14th Amendment that says it, that it outlaws involuntary servitude literally put with the Articles of Association of the United States, slavery was was made illegal. And that was way before the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. So there's articles of association that declared it to be illegal to own slaves. So what the 14th Amendment did is it said involuntary servitude is not to be entertained, but it also created the other side of the hand called voluntary servitude. So we've been programmed through our thinking, through that master plan of the Sea of Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars to volunteer servitude. And liberty with a Y has a page and a half of meanings in the Black's Law Dictionary. It has different references and different meanings. Liberty with an I means one thing, a person who was formerly a slave and is now free. It doesn't imply a master's release. It doesn't apply anything. It doesn't imply any of the ambiguity of the liberty with a Y. It says one thing. It literally, I am now free. So that it's, it's very intentional to use liberty with the I. And do you go ahead, Mike, you go. I was just going to say, thank you for that. That's an important distinction. And most people have never even seen it spelled that way. Go ahead, Bear. No, I, I enjoyed that too. Thanks for that question. And do you believe it's necessary for us to go through any formalization of revoking any of our old contracts that uh, we unknowingly volunteered ourselves into servitude? Well, you can complete them. You can rescind them if if you understand what you're doing. The the relationship again, or the relationship. You can be sovereign, and you can be knowing who you are, and still entertain contracts and relationships with public actors. So again, it's knowing who you are where you are when you're acting and the appropriate actions in the face of the circumstances. Because when you begin to know who you are, you interact. And for me, having a, a driver's license and those things after I've, I've come into my ministry, for, for me personally, 
it's double-minded. It's not necessarily for everybody. Some people have a job where they're willing to keep that job and willing to be that light in the face. That's what their mission is. Some people's mission is to be in there as the light that alters from the dark side. But uh, I was in a meditation one time and was informed that there are people in every place, every office, every action ready to shine their light. So I don't go into any agency expecting darkness because darkness can't prevail when I bring my light. Absolutely not. So what you're talking about is uh, a level of mastery of the old saying being in the world, but not of it. So for all the folks out there, myself included, that still find it necessary to interface in the public, but then also keep ourselves in the private simultaneously, is that possible then if you, you know, now it doesn't work for you and I understand. And, you know, I, I've had periods of my life where I was, uh, not participating in all those contracts and now coming back out into the uh, external world a little bit in recent years, uh, playing the game on certain levels, but then also maintaining sovereignty. So how is that possible for all the folks out there that are W9 earners or small business owners and such? There are definitely, there's always a remedy. There's always a remedy in law, just like there's always a remedy in medicine. There's, there, there's always a remedy. There's a way to have your life work no matter where you are and to have it work in harmony with the circumstances. So it, it's not something that, that, you know, you can say, okay, here now you're the square peg fit in this round hole. But you literally look to see where the square hole, where the square hole is, so that it, you work harmoniously with your circumstances. Many people, as you build that level of harmony, begin to realize that you're more you're happier in the the private side. And again, with that big balloon where we're building the bubble, there's going to need to be some of that transfer, that bridge that brings us to that harmonious relationship experience that is missing in, in that belligerent world. So there, yes, there are ways. There are this definitely is, ways. This is the mechanism of the great awakening of seeing that new reality unfold is that bridge you speak of. And first, I think one of the big steps people need to take before <laughs> any paperwork or any trust setup is this higher understanding of who they are as I am, right? <clears throat> and so, Marsha, what are some steps that people can start to take? What if somebody's just starting to learn this? There's a lot of people in the chat here. This is all very new to them. And what would be some advice that you would have for them to start moving in that direction, starting to cross that bridge? Well, there are a lot of very good people out there now talking about the bridge and the, the, the benefits of the bridge. I also am beginning to, uh, I'm on the pre-production stages of another live stream of the Blessings of Liberty, 
which I expect I have a soft start date in early September. And uh, the, that would be one place to start for the, the in-depth study of really who you are. Uh, circumstances of um, where you, you are facing maybe a challenge, a court challenge, and whether or not you've actually taken the steps to formalize a document of status, you can say to the court, my status is on the ground and, and there's a, a, somebody who's using what they call the 1817 notice, which is very effective at saying, wait a minute, uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm a state national your jurisdiction is challenged. And it's very effective when you know what you're doing. And then again, when you know, ground yourself in the knowledge of whatever and stay on path. There was one time I had a friend call and say, oh, you have to talk to this guy, he needs your help. And when I talked to him, he said, I, I need your help. I need to know how to get out of this situation. I said, what's your situation? He said, well, I'm, I've got to go in in three weeks for sentencing. I've been convicted of a crime. And so I said, well, and I started asking more questions. They said, well, you've got to understand, I've been fighting this for five years. And I said, well, what was your strategy to win? And they said, my what? You know, we really, what is the strategy to win? What's the possibility that you can win? He was five years fighting. And one of the things about fighting in the courts is that you're now an enemy combatant under war powers and you have no rights. And you're going to be screaming for your rights and you don't even know who you are. So the, the knowing who you are, looking at the strategy, where you are, what the circumstances that are facing you and decide, is it something that you have an emergency, you need a quick, uh, you, know, you need a, an immediate remedy? Is it something that you can take your time and study to find out who you are so that you can take those effective steps that rise you above the the belligerent, the dis-ease, just like knowing the remedies in your body so that you're not dis-eased there, you can do this harmoniously. Yeah, and one so, thing allopathic medicine has tricked people into is believing that there's a single drug for a single symptomology. And I could see that also in a lot of this alternative legalese um, remedy where this is only the way to do it. There's a lot of gurus out there that are giving you a specific remedy action. And really what we're getting to here is it's actually much more like a natural healing process where first you need to know who you truly are. And then the remedy will emanate out of that once you know, as a living man or woman. Yeah. And you really see the symptoms of where you are in the law or in medicine. And you see the symptoms that are going on here. And you look to see what's creating those symptoms to bring into harmony. It's a, there's a remedy in law and there's a remedy in medicine. There's always a remedy. And it's and usually it's our thinking that has us blocked from finding it. And there's that's the reason why those are the two whips used against humanity, both medicine and lawfare, you know, which also coincides with the, the money system, uh, because those are the best ways to enslave people and to 
ultimately make them feel that their own biology is against them and yeah. and going to turn on them inevitably at some time, in which case you need somebody in a polyester white coat to cure them. So we have the perfect plan. Well, I'll tell so, you the, um, the, the, uh, most, go ahead. The, the, the most important sentence, the most important part of the silent weapons for quiet wars after examining the whole structure and how it's all set up to capture our thinking, the most important, I'm going to give you the, the uh, a spoiler, the most important mm -hmm. part is that one sentence that says, we know this can't be done without consent. And you, whatever is moving and motivating you, if it's if fear is giving consent, they know they've got you. So knowing who you are and where you're giving consent is the, the power in that the whole structure. Yeah, we just saw it with the with coronation psyop of 2020. The entire world unknowingly through fear and indoctrination and mass media and all the hype uh, totally consented to that. Uh, there is a very easy solution to to not locking, not being locked down, not wearing masks, not having your business shut down. It's I don't consent. Exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. It there, also one of our great uh, first ladies um, a long time, some time ago said when well, they were talking about the drug wars, and she said, "Just say no." <laughs> and it's Nancy so Reagan. Yes, Nancy Reagan, and yeah. it's still the effective method. It, it reminds me of a quote that was caught on video by a former IRS commissioner where he was asked, how do you get such great compliance in a voluntary tax system? And he just laughed and he said, we scare the hell out of people. And that was all on tape. Anybody can find it. And, and that's the bottom line. So at our uh, private retreat here, we talked a lot about the War Powers Act and uh, just within the context of the War Powers Act, what do we have to know about that? And I know this goes deep and you know beyond the scope of a podcast, but what can we share about that and how that's why that's so important in everything we're talking about? Well, the plan, uh, uh, the War Powers Act, um, what, after you understand that the, the, there's a silent weapon for quiet wars, they consider us a, an enemy of the United States. And it was actually put into law in the, in sta the statutes and the War Powers Act. And so after Germany after, was supposedly defeated, uh, they they made the act that said that we it was illegal to trade with enemies of the United States, and it actually said to have trade or intercourse with enemies of the United States. So what it created was that whole system of licensing that could, that started to come on. You could have permission, but uh, to trade with enemies of the United States under certain provisions. But you that the, and in that original act, it said that it's an illegal to trade with enemies of the United States, comma, except U.S. citizens, comma. Well, if they're putting that except U.S. citizens, number one, you got to see that they're considering U.S. citizens enemies of the United States, but they're making an exception 
from the requirements where it's illegal to do that. Now, in 1913, when they took the gold standard away and it, we be, became basically uh, enemies capable of trying, we had no ability now to pay our bills and pay our debts. So we were enemies of the United States because they came in and took our substance. So they took that exception out. So in, in 1913, we now became enemies of the United States and all the requirements for us to license with one another came into our state statutes, our state codes. So that's the whole basis of the licensing requirements and business license and uh, you know, all that nonsense came under the, the, uh, and, um, the, the, that act. We were now enemies of the United States and we had to have licenses to have for business or intercourse with one another. And licenses, of course, are granting permission for what would otherwise be deemed illegal. Exactly. So the, the, tra the Trading with the Enemy Act made it illegal and the license was what hooked us into that because we're all saying, oh, yeah, I'm a federal person. I'm entitled to the Federal Old Age Act. I've got Social Security. I'm a federal employee. So, again, we've got mixed messages that we're giving out in the world that we don't know how they affect us. Could you speak, uh, I don't know if this is uh, within the scope of this conversation, but uh, they, of course, after all of this, few years later, they passed House Joint Resolution 192, which stated, since we were taken off our gold standard, which could be considered trafficking in slaves, because now we're forced to be on a certain monetary species under the monopolization of one group, and we were um, told through that 192 that we would be compensated dollar for dollar, which what I would interpret, and I think the meaning was that we were supposed to live in a um, prepaid account status. And then, of course, that was all negated with uh, you know further legislation down the road. But is there anything there that... Um, the it has relevance to our discussion here or things that could be put to any practical use. And, and the reason why I'm asking this is in the past, we kind of went down that road and used that a bit, uh, you know, just to test things out. Well, we always, yeah, we were put into a prepaid status. They, they had the Sesquicay trust, the, the public trust that everything was pooled in together uh, potentially for the beneficiaries who we were the beneficiaries of the trust because all of the, that was put into trust for our benefit. Then we were, so they were selectively not trained on how to discharge under that capability, under that prepaid status account. And all of the prepaid status, that uh, the prepaid account that we had available has been usurped and used by the administration. That's why they've always called it. They've called it an administration, not a government or a, anything. They've been calling it for as long as I can remember the, the Reagan administration. What are they administering? They're administering our accounts. And now 
they're uh, breaching the trust because they're abusing their power in in their trust relationship. So what happened, yes, that prepaid account has always been there. Will we ever be able to access that prepaid account? Well, they've mismanaged it so badly that it's that that all of the numbers are so inflated they aren't real anymore so even trying to access it to discharge and with the gatekeepers who are trying to keep us from even knowing that people who have exposed it i think it was 1989 when i met howard freeman and howard was the first one who started to say well this judge told me it's all under the uniform commercial code and we started to realize the mechanism for for discharging debts that are coming to us from that public endeavor. Um, it's a massive task. It has been a massive task to try to understand that and get through the um, the the past the gatekeepers who are actually keep us, even when we've done the right thing and gets to the agency, it gets stopped. And and so it's been a massive job trying to even get that to work effectively. There are some effective tools that I've seen recently. And again, when we stop putting our attention, our energy, and our life into that public mechanism at all, and we're building our private coffers over here on the relationship, that's more effective in changing the system because this is so overinflated over bloated and i actually just saw last week a a whole changeover of the global uh, economic system a whole changeover all of the assets that have been misused through that divine trust that's been placed here have now been reallocated to a private sovereign relationship so we don't need to fight to get that fiat imaginary stuff anymore. The the substance of who we are in the sovereign world is building. We just need to keep getting ourselves knowing who we are sovereign because those things will begin to emerge when the fear and the the fight or flight and the survival mechanism that that abundance is designed to come our way so yes we can look at it we can we can study it we can see how it was but in my in a, in a lot of ways i see it as kind of in a cleanse examining the fecal matter you know mm -hmm. that's all the fecal matter over there and yes it's good to examine we can see what the 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 condition of the body has been but uh, the condition of the body is sovereign as we begin to clear from the fecal matter, and it's happening in the economic world as well. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for that. And that's another reason that I'd hope you go into why you know answer, uh, ask that question in the first place. Uh, there are still some prominent teachers out there that are leading people into those kind of processes, discharge processes, uh, OID processes. Uh, trying to access your trust account. And I tell people, you know, don't go there because usually it's a trap, been there, done that. 
And also uh, that system is done, as you say, and it's time to start putting our energy into creating a real system. The dollar system was designed to collapse. We see it happening. It's nothing to be alarmed about. Uh, we've been warning folks forever. And so now even competitors like the BRICS nations and so forth are talking about going into a value-backed currency but it's really incumbent upon us to develop a new system. And I, again, tell folks, don't put your energy over there. And there are some other programs going on behind the scenes, uh, you know, that were promising back. And, and you and I have talked about this, uh, people that I knew personally and, and that you've known in the past, uh, when you get into Nasara and all that kind of thing. So you think there's, any uh, validity to maybe some of that uh, being a foundation for what you're talking about? I wouldn't say a foundation. I would say it would have to come into balance, just like the rest mm -hmm. when everything's mm -hmm. coming into balance. I, it's not the foundation for it. Um, it is really the reestablishing the relationship with Mother Earth and the, the true uh, particles. Um, that that uh, the sovereign currencies and sovereign uh, perspective is coming to. Um, it, it's not a fight or flight. It is that it's really uh, it's like 400 years ago, the foundation divine laid by Saint Germain and the the collateral uh, recognition of Mother Earth's contribution to us and our our relationship of energy that flows with connected to that relationship with mother earth so it it is a, a where what we're seeing is that physical transition into that level of of respect with of one another in the flow of our energy and our currency there is the sovereign sovereign currencies are emerging and um uh, we have to be ready knowing who we are to make that that flappy balloon start to fill up to to the real prosperity that our lives are are fundamentally mm -hmm. designed for and ultimately get into the understanding that there is a reason why gold was a standard why silver was a standard and it's because it carries a real resonance that the old school alchemists understood very well and also understood that that substance is created in the earth. There's no shortage of it. And whenever there were prior golden ages, it was brought more abundantly to the surface in order to bless the people with its resonance. And of course, uh, gold being more the solar and the, the you know, and the, the more the male aspect and the silver being the feminine aspect. And it's all about balance of these creative forces uh, that create very well, uh, real wealth and not just uh, through a money species. So that's, I think, what we're getting back to and um, having a value back system with real resonance from natural elements that can never be misused again. Well, I, I, yeah, I agree that we're going in that direction. I also uh, see there's some mischief in that regard because when I read the uh, the 
legislation that said, oh, yeah, we're a great deal. We're on gold-backed currency. We're co we've got legislation that say we have to go to gold-backed currency. And then it said, and the value is going to be X amount based on a fluctuating uh, uh, daily uh, assessment over here. So it, what we've got is the, the deception that we've got a gold-backed currency that is still a fluctuating medium of exchange. And so we've kind of lost the background thinking of the stability of the exchange one-to-one -one on an exchange instead of a fluctuating value. So it, there's, there's some deception going on there. In, in regard to that. And when we talk about the, the fact that all of that, all that fiat currency and all that stuff, there's, well, they've said, oh, it's their money out of thin air. And we've just talked about, no, that's my energy. If I'm moving that currency, it has value because my energy is doing it. Gold has value because my energy is giving it. So when we get back that there's nothing outside of ourselves that has more value than our own energy, we begin to get to the, the prosperity of sovereign currency because where we put our energy, just like where we put our attention, is what we're creating. And so it's, it's kind of uh, uh, counterproductive to be working over here to have your status and to be moving to that sovereign capacity and paying your energy into the old system. So the new system has to emerge for us to ever have a genuine choice to place our energy. Now, it hasn't been easy for me. I've I do everything in cash cash, 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 because now I consciously am handling and putting my energy where it's going instead of the, the, digital, uh, the digital mechanism that's feeding the beast that we're, that we're, trying, to, um, that we're trying to tame. So we, we have to really look at each action that we have. It's so fundamental that we bring it into our own mirror to see where the energy is. Um, I keep seeing the, the, like the, uh, the message that came through about understand when you read a, a code, in our, in our thinking, we read from left to right, but in, even and from front to back, front to bottom, front to back. So, it, but you understand coded messages come from the back to front, you start from the back front and the real language starts from the right to the left. So when you, even in our own system, when we're talking about divinity, we have in every cell a thing called DNA. But when you look at DNA in the language that we have, deoxyribonucleic acid, you begin and you read it backwards where you have deoxyribonucleic acid is a physical property nucleus is the center, ribo, rabbi, mastery, oxy, breath, deus, God, when you read it backwards, it's a physical property of the center of the mastery of the breath of God in your DNA when you read it backwards. So when we've got this mirror image of a public something, that we're giving all our energy to, but backwards, it's really us 
that is the, the, the source of the energy of any value. So we can, yes, in the transition, I see that gold is going to get us and see us and that is part of the, of the ladder of us getting to the heights. And some people, you say, no, don't go there. Don't put your energy there. Well, they may not know where to put their energy, but it may be in their free will, their ladder to the heights that they're reaching, to their own service to life that is their energy behind any substance that we have. Yeah, I've been working on all sorts of different ways to embody a more sovereign currency because where we put our attention is where our energy goes. And when we are truly sovereign in the sense of sovereigno, which is more the Latin root, not the hijacked French root with French etymological word, which is they try to say it's the slave, you know, you're that superior ruler and master. But really, uh, sovereigno is to reign as a savior, which predates the French. And when we are truly embodying that savior to ourselves and truly tapped in with our I am, then we aren't reliant on gold, right? Because we're acting in honor. Um, and I, I, I do think gold as a value of the money as a, a store of value has been amazing over the you know thousands and thousands of years because we've had that slave master relationship. But when we're all truly sovereign, we can have a true currency where the value is based upon actually how we interact with each other in honor and how we place that experience with each other as the value of one-to-one. -one. And so I actually tried to develop that using a blockchain technology called Karma Ship back in 2018. And I think we can start to move in that direction. But first, what we're talking about here is grounding it is so important, which is how to act in honor using law first before we can grow up and move towards this. And so gold is a great bridge, right? It is one of those great bridges towards that. Of course, we've seen over the years, those who control the mining, the the, the, the French sovereign, the, the kings tend to control the gold. Also, there tends to also be this idea of the dragon hoarding the gold and not using it to extend out that energy. So you get this hoarding, this need of like, I need to save everything. So I believe there's something beautiful about having a true currency where there's an energetic about it, where it's like, I am free to, to spend it and to, to give it out so that it, it will come back to me with the trust that everybody is in honor with each other. And that's the beautiful golden age, you know, that I think St. Germain really envisioned. And it's exciting that people are working on these types of solutions moving forward. It's going to be really interesting to see where the, all this goes. Well, while I was there over the weekend, uh, one of the participants gave me a book about the, um, and I can't even say the name of it, but it, it talks about the, the cycles of the, 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 the galaxy, the universal cycles the, the, uh, coming out of the Kali Yuga that we've been densely in and coming into the new Yuga, the new age, which is really an explanation of what where we are in the tip of the ascension process that we're coming. It's inevitable that our energy is good and our frequency is going to rise. So in a lot of, in some ways, we can kind of fall back into the rise of frequency and look to see what's my, what, what am I here to add to that? 
so that we we know that we're headed in that direction. I happen to know that the 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 currency that you've been seeking is forming, and that as we become fully available in our sovereign uh, expression, the world can't help but meet that expression. Well, even in terms of the Uniform Commercial Code, we're the transmitting utility. And just as the banks of a river hold in the currency carried by the water, uh, it's not coincidence that our biology is predominantly water. And in the alchemical understanding of the ethers, uh, water is the transmitting utility of bringing the solar energy, in other words, the blueprint of our creator into this realm in the first place. So each one of us as transmitting utilities being the water element, it's again, as we've been speaking, our job to get in alignment that it's not anything about anything but ourselves and transmitting the pure divine residence and grounding it in and creating heaven on earth. And uh, that's where gold does come in because it's literally the resonance of those informational fields from the, the solar ethos of, of creation. And uh, anyway, uh, we're getting there, but it's just remarkable that even in the old uh, uniform commercial code and, and all the things that, you know, we, we kind of connote with commerce and legalese and everything, they're telling us the same thing. Yes. Yes, indeed. We're very close. <laughs> this is this is quite a exciting journey, quite an exciting. Absolutely. So what haven't we uh, spoke on that maybe you think we should cover? Uh, and also just uh, anything else you can tell us today about um you know, just to, you've already mentioned some things, but any other things that you'd like to speak on more as far as uh, projects? And of course, uh, you know, here at Alpha Vedic, uh, we want to support your efforts all we can and and always uh, be interfacing with you, which we already are. So uh, what else can you share that we haven't covered so far? I just wanted to mention in the big, in the introduction, uh, you said I'm the founder of Sovereign by Design, and actually that was uh, organized by uh, Angela Bowen uh, in uh, ah. British Columbia, and uh, has been a platform and an, a very close partner with me on uh, bringing this out into the world. And there are some programs on Sovereign by Design. Uh, one of them is a five-part series that just talks about what uh, what are trusts and um, and then there are a couple series of, of the blessings of liberty that are the recorded versions that will be kicking off a new live version for in September so uh, that's what I'm up to in those areas doing a lot of um, I once people have gone through the trustee the trust course I have uh, ongoing conversations. I call it the trustee locker room, where you can actually come in and start working with a coach and building your strategies and doing things. And uh, after people have gone uh, entertained the conversation for the blessings of liberty, I have an ongoing conversation that I call uh, the come unity field. 
So we're building the community field. And in the uh, design that I'm doing with the the new uh, uh, live stream of the Blessings of Liberty, I'm doing a live stream with uh, right now two people who have their own private membership and it's all private. So their private memberships are coming in for this relationship. And uh, as as a member of the Blessings of Liberty, we're members of all of their members, too. So I'm starting to build a community, not just with, with like PMAs where we're doing all our own work here, but the membership actually is going laterally as well. Uh, uh, horizontally as well as vertically so that and and you understand if you know anything about the wing makers and the messages that the wing makers have said with some of the crosses that are made in in some of the religious organizations it, it looks like that relationship that we have here the the vertical relationship and then coming out into the horizontal relationship so you have the full full expression of your divinity. And, and in the private membership, as we're building that, that horizontal relationship, we're literally building that private community that's going to fill that bubble, that balloon that's taking the energy and, and allowing that public-private influence to come into balance. Wonderful. And we'll keep our audience, uh, the AV community, abreast as far as, uh, you know, when your programs are up and running and available. And also we will be uh, launching our new membership site. It's actually coming close to reality here. And in the membership area, our members will have access to the Living Law uh, retreat workshop that we had up here. So that would be uh, a really good foundation for folks uh, that want to continue on with some of your new programs. It'll take them next level. I would love to uh, talk with you about streaming to your members for our live broadcast starting in September. So maybe we can work that up. We would be delighted to do that. Yeah, I think it's important to to develop um cross relationships of these different private communities so that we are all connected because uh living in the private doesn't mean you're isolated <laughs> yeah exactly we are all connected and it's really time to tell the truth about it beautiful uh, marcia ann this has been an exceptional discussion um i am definitely vibrating my whole body is right now from it so that's a good sign and uh, the chat was very much enjoying it as well. Uh, guys, thanks so much for all your positivity and great questions in there. Um, I tried to pull a couple out, but uh, for those who are listening uh, now, remember, we go live every Thursday at 10 a.m. So you can always join in the live chat. Uh, and uh, any other final parting words for our community, Marcia, before we let you go? I see you. I love you. <laughs> And we love you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, start a garden, go for a hike, go hug a tree. Mother Nature is our best teacher. Go show her some love. And next week, we'll see you same bat time, same bat channel, 10 a.m. Bear and I for an in-house discussion. Bear, get something prepped. Oh, that's next <laughs> week? Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? 
the alchemy of love. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure something out. No, uh, you've been doing some ideas. You've been doing some great presentations uh, on more um, private stuff around uh, the alchemy of the land and what we're doing on the farm related to bioterrain of of nature and relating that from agriculture to the body. Maybe we touch on that and how that also ties in with law, ties in with the currency stuff, ties in with what I'm doing with Cordal, because it's all the same. It's all natural law. It's all cosmic law, universal law, integrated through these different systems. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay. Marcia, hey guys. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you Have so much. Have a good one. Cheers.